Chilling with Chase. Welcome to Chilling with Chase. I'm excited to be here with April Davis. And uh, today, I don't know if we should call this Chilling with Chase the extended edition. Yeah. Because we are, we're out of snow. Extreme. The rain, the rain kind of killed all the snow outside. And so today's option is um, <laughs> igloo uh, chest, you know, like a Yeti chest full of ice and water. Mm. And we're going to put our feet in it. Yeah. Now, when, when, I first, when I first got here, you know, I was like, April, you know, normally these sessions are, you know, eight minutes long, maybe even less than that because it's cold, you know. Is that good for you? And she's like, oh, no, we're doing 20 minutes. Yeah. Because we're just using one part of our body. We're just doing our feet. We're just doing our feet. <laughs> so so and the I pain is just concentrated. Just on your just feet. Just to your feet. Just is that better or feet. worse? Um, you get to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so the 20 minute mark though um I have read in several places that at 20 minutes is the limit before you can start getting frostbite so that's as oh, okay. long as I have dared go well, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. But it's I think you'll find it's interesting, too, because when you do it with just your feet and you can do this with your hands, too, it's much more bearable for me for my feet. And notice this as we go through the exercise is that there comes a point when your feet literally warm up in the ice water. And you it, so as you hit like the 10 minute, 12 minute mark, it suddenly there's this an exchange of heat. Yes. And it becomes much, much more bearable. Okay. So. All right. I'm ready. You ready? So we're going to push it. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I'm just going to remind you, for I'm going to remind you from the outset that 20 minutes was your idea. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But the benefit of going a little bit longer is that we get to talk a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, so last we spoke, we spoke a lot about kind of more traditional therapy types, cognitive behavioral talk therapy. And we talked briefly about EMDR. I can't, do, what's the acronym stand for? Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay. So eye movement being a bilateral movement back and forth. It's a movement that mimics what your eyes do during REM sleep. Gotcha. But it's not necessarily limited to eye movement. It could also be bilateral stimulation of any, any type. Yeah. Right? So you can use any of your senses for bilateral stimulation. Your eyes, research shows, and with EMDR, they, the primary way that they teach you is with eye movements. Um, it, again, that's just mimicking what your body does while you're dreaming, but you can use your ears. There's bilateral audio that you can use. Mm -hmm. One of the most popular way forms of bilateral stimulation is what they call tappers. There are these little buzzer kind of things that you hold in your hand that go left, right, left, right, and just create like a buzzing sensation in your hands. You can do tapping on the shoulders, and, tapping on the knees. And I guess bilateral def defined it basically means stimulation to both sides of the body so that both hemispheres of the brain right. are being stimulated. So bilateral is anything that is left, right, left, right, left, right to a rhythm. Gotcha. Your, your body functions on a bilateral. Um, and, you know, I want to talk, I want to talk more about the rhythm thing. So don't let me mm -hmm. forget that. Mm -hmm. But what's kind of the underlying theory behind EMDR? 
Um, lots, lots of different theories as far as what the bilateral stimulation does. Um, the one that makes the most sense to me is that, um, wiggle your toes really quick. Just I can, move I can your still feet. move. Oh yeah. But that mixes it up. I know. That makes it colder. I know. Cause <laughs> your was, feet create these little warm trick. pockets. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> So for those of you doing this at home, move your feet every once in a while, stir up that warm pocket. You know, I want to hear that actually. Like email me at chase at whatmagnificence.com. If you decide to listen to a podcast and put your feet in ice water, like I, I will probably send you something. Yeah. That's pretty you cool. You should. How, how are you feeling there? Bro? Like it's a, I'm doing okay. Let's go back to the EMDR okay. thing. That kind of distracted me. Okay. So right. the, bi the, the theory that I... Um, about just the bilateral movement in general, that bilateral stimulation is that it gets both the left and the right hemispheres working and they kind of have to start, it, it's that back and forth stimulation and they kind of have to start talking to or working together to solve a problem. So your logic and your creativity, your emotions and your sensibility. Hmm. Awesome. So, and even if you get into more mm, energy modalities, you're male and you're female, you're, right? Mm -hmm. Like this uh, yin and yang idea yeah. of contrasting. Yeah. It's kind of cool that it's embodied in our brains. But there's something about that line of symmetry, that line right down the middle of our bodies, that when you start crossing that line, it, it, our bodies love it. You walk bilaterally, you run bilaterally, you punch bilaterally. Everything we do is a left-right, left-right motion. One example I give to a lot of clients when we first start doing EMDR is if any, um, anybody notices that when we're standing there, like maybe we're bored standing in line, or if I were to hand you a crying baby, we stand there and we just naturally start rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's a way that our bodies soothe themselves, but it's also a way that our bodies process information too. Yeah. And I like that, you know, you referenced REM sleep, because if I'm not mistaken, that is the dream state of mm -hmm. sleep. It's active sleep yeah. when our eyes are moving back yeah. and forth. And ultimately, we're probably processing what's happened during the day. Yeah. And then as things kind of get cleared up and connected, who knows what shows <laughs> up in your head when you're remembering dream. things or, yeah. I mean, then you get into the theory of why we dream, right? Which is. That's fascinating. Yeah. And why sleep is so yeah. important too, yeah. right? The less that we're sleeping, the less that we're processing difficult things during the day, mm -hmm. the more they'll probably follow us day after day after yeah. day and become <clears throat> kind of a pattern of conditioning. Yeah. And one of the myths with EMDR too that a lot of my clients have is because of that back and forth, back and forth with the eyes, they think that it's hypnosis. Right. And that's and not it, it at not. all. not. Right. No, no. Um, EMDR is not a, a modality. Its intention is not to put you into a trance or to, you know, create some kind of flashback where suddenly you're back at this tr most traumatic you know, moment in your life or anything. In fact, like the, the purpose or the foundation of EMDR is what they call a dual awareness. And that's part of why you use the body to reprocess the memory is that you are very much aware of where you are. You're in my office, you're sitting here with me, um, 
or whatever therapist you're working with and aware of that present state while you're thinking about something from the past. You know, that seems to be a thread through all of this, right? mm -hmm. Through all of my journey with all of the different modalities that I've looked at and tried is that you need to incorporate, I call it using the machinery of the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to incorporate not only physical, right? But mental and emotional and spiritual and all of these things come together Um, And that's, I feel like that's kind of what you're saying here with EMDR is that that dual awareness both stimulates kind of past thoughts, past emotions while keeping you present, Mm -hmm. right? And you're exploring some of those maybe uncomfortable experiences, but you're very aware of what's going on right now with the goal being that you can bring some of those things that have been mm, stuck Mm -hmm. in the past, bring them more to the present where you can actually do something with them. Right, right. It's a it's a very mindful practice, like mm-hmm. what you just described as mindfulness as being present. Now, what's the difference? So I, I feel like mindfulness, I mean, mindfulness can be done, I think, with great effect with the body. But mindfulness can also be something that's done where there's just, well, that's the interesting part, right? Like mindfulness, I guess, always involves the body because the body's always sending information. Mm-hmm. So when I sit there and do mindfulness, maybe I'm not doing bilateral stimulation, but I'm still receiving signals, yeah. right? Like, ah, my arm itches, yeah. you know? Like there's yeah. awareness of what's going on in my body just because you're so still. And your your thought process too. We don't think of our thought processes, thought process as a somatic process. Somatic, can, can you define with your, that? With your body. With your body. It, it is a physical process, but it is. It's your thought process. Thinking happens within your brain, which is an organ in your body, right? So. Yeah. That makes sense. It's still a physical process. It's just neurons firing. Well, let's go back to the rhythm because mm-hmm. I do want to talk about that. And that's something I don't understand very yeah. much. In, in our sessions that we've done, I, I recognize that there are times that we're slowing down rhythm or speeding up rhythm. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. So with EMDR, um, well, well, we'll talk rhythm in the context of, of EMDR. Our, and again, our, our bodies, you're just building on what your bodies naturally do. Our bodies, we walk to a rhythm, we breathe to a rhythm, we have a cadence to our voice or our speech patterns, like our heart beats to a rhythm. Um, so you're just building on what your body already knows how to do. Now, with EMDR, the bilateral stimulation, that left, right, left, right, when it's something that is traumatic, you're actually going for or trying to create some disturbance so you speed that rhythm up you make Mm. it a little bit more distressing and does that does that cause i mean does that cause kind of a shift in where people are in their mind like bring them a little bit more present yeah okay it it can it tends to tap into those neuro pathways that are just more distressing where the trauma trauma chronic stress whatever whatever you want to label it is is stored now, EMDR, there's also an installation phase. You can also use EMDR um, for like uh, the, the desensitization, which is actually to bring stress, distress down. And when you are in doing an installation or trying to kind of desensitize, bring that stress down, you'll slow the rhythm down quite a bit and even get really, really slow, like left, right, left, right. Fascinating. So, and I imagine that there have been 
studies on, you know, biological signals when you do that, right? I, I think we've all experienced this to a point, whether we're aware of it or not, but if you listen to music with a rapid pace and a rapid beat, generally your heart rate tends to follow, mm -hmm. right? Your heart rate will speed up, you'll kind of respond yeah, to it. It's energizing. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And then as we hear slower frequencies, slower mm -hmm. rates, we start to slow down. And honestly, that can probably account for some of the some of the vagal response that we have when we connect with other people, right? Where our heart rates are synchronizing, mm -hmm. our breathing is synchronizing, we are matching frequencies, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, right? A frequency mm -hmm. is just a pulse. Yeah. You're matching their pulse, their energy. So rhythm on a on a kind of a not just with a, not just from an EMDR perspective, but um, you are very familiar with Vessel van der Kolk's work, right? Mm -hmm. He's the author of The Body Keeps the Score, uh, dedicated his whole career to understanding the physiological responses of trauma. I took a two day course from him, and during this. Uh, you know, during this course, he's... Did you have your feet in ice water during no. the course? See, take that. <laughs> take that. This was before I, I, I found <laughs> the miracle of ice water. Okay, all right, sorry. Um, Continue. <laughs> but, uh, so two days, he showing brain scans and studies and just this fascinating science behind what stress and trauma does to our, our bodies and at the very end of this course or towards the end, he said, well, I'm sure you're wondering how to heal from, you know, how to, how we heal from trauma then, right? Knowing, knowing what we know, what it does to the body and the brain. Now you want to know how to fix it, right? And I thought, well, yeah, that's what I do for a living. That would be useful. Be great, yeah. And his answer was, I don't know. Because okay. it looks different for everybody. There's a lot of different as you're exploring, that's kind of the purpose of this podcast, right? Mm. So many different ways that we tap into and can heal from stress and trauma. However, so he said, I don't know. It looks different for everybody. But he did say, however, universally, I can tell you that it involves singing, dancing, and celebrating. Wow. That was not what I expected. Right? That's cool. Yeah. And I, I was a little disappointed, actually, when I first, <laughs> you say it's cool. I was like, what? <laughs> this... Well, yeah, it's certainly so, shocking. Yeah, so let's break it down, though. Singing, right? Singing is chanting. Singing is mm -hmm. just a big, fat breathing exercise. You're right. Absolutely. And it's rhythm. Mm -hmm. You sing to a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Dancing. Uh, well, I, I want to go back to singing a yeah. little bit because the <clears throat> when you sing, you stimulate your glottis, which is that flap that closes off your... Uh, your windpipe when you swallow, basically, mm -hmm. right? So when you're singing, especially especially some of those chanting types of singings or, um, you know, harmonic types of singings, uh, aboriginal kind mm -hmm. of sounding songs, there's a ton of deep glottal stimulation. And what we know from that is that when the glottis is stimulated like that, there's a deep vagal stimulation that happens, mm -hmm. deep parasympathetic response that happens. And it also increases your mitochondrial respiration, similar to what you experience in sleep. Mm -hmm. So the, the pathway by which that happens is that your body takes the serotonin that your guts are producing. Hopefully your guts are in a position where they're producing serotonin, right? Um, and converts it into melatonin. And the melatonin increases mitochondrial respiration and can also account for some of that ethereal type of feeling that people can feel with some of those really... Uh, you know, 
deep singing kind of glottal mm -hmm. experiences. So, yeah. sorry, continue. Incredible vagal exercise. Isn't that Absolutely. cool? It's like taking Absolutely. a nap. Yeah. Almost. I didn't quite understand the physiology to that depth. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so go, go. you <laughs> know, next I time you today. need a nap, just yeah. go, go sing in your office. I'm not going to remember that. Go scare your employees and just sing. Yeah, I, well, that is, I chant, I chant and yeah. I hum. You and I have hummed several times. Absolutely. I am not, I'm about I'm not to hum vocalist. right now because my feet hurt. <laughs> it's gonna. Screaming is also though, like screaming <laughs> yeah. is a form of singing. The other thing with singing, I'll add to that, is it's a way to share a narrative. It's true. Communicate, yeah. emote. Yeah, absolutely. Connect. Yeah, but the, and it all, but it, it's all done to a rhythm, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's yeah. why rap music so much fun very rhythmic yes very rhythmic very rhythmic that's um yeah i jokingly say i think some of the rap artists and these you know lead singers of the screaming punk bands are probably some of the most emotionally like well-adjusted right? people on this good planet. vagal tone yeah yeah plus they're getting their story out that's awesome know? And there is another little scientific tidbit I want to throw out there because we talk a lot about vagal nerve and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that actually can be measured. Um, and we measure that by something called heart rate variability. And usually people kind of hear that more in the athletic world mm -hmm. where we measure heart rate variability. And the variability is just basically when you breathe in, your heart rate speeds up, right? And that activates your sympathetic nervous system. When you breathe out, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system and your heart rate slows down. Heart rate variability is the difference between the yes. speeding and the slowing. Yes. And when you sing, it's mostly exhale. Yeah, totally. You don't sing on an inhale. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? That's what Ariana Grande to me. <laughs> Can she, she do sound, it? Well, she sounds to me oh, like she sings really high. Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beside the point. Awesome. Second thing, dancing, though. Dancing. Let's look at dancing. Mm-hmm. Rhythm and bilateral movement. Totally. You were a ballroom dancer. Yep. Right? Still am. It's And it's <laughs> rooted in, okay, <laughs> so you are a, a ballroom <laughs> no, dancer. No, it's fine. But it's, it, it, <laughs> everything is bilateral, yes. right? It's a left, right, left, right mm -hmm. dancing. It is it is movement. Mm -hmm. it it's to is, a beat. Yes, and it's, it's all about... It's all about rhythm. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, when we think of dancing as not just the performance, but, you know, uh, running is dancing. Yoga is dancing. And you think of just this, anything with flow and movement done to a rhythm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, massage. So if you've ever been like a massage therapist, right? They do the left, right, left, right, left, right. Oh, that's right. true. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So I you just think of, of like using your body in any in any way that is rhythmic falls into that dancing category. Absolutely. So. I also think this is interesting too, and and I this is just anecdotal from from my side of things, but you see children who are dealing with high sensitive, um, sometimes disorders, or they're just really high sensitive. So. Um, you know, neurodiverse, right? A child dealing with autism generally cannot filter out a lot of the sensory stimulation mm -hmm. that someone else could. Mm -hmm. And to cope with that, a lot of times, what do they do? They rock back yeah. and forth, right? They yep. start doing this yeah, naturally. Yeah, stemming, yeah. To, and again, this is just anecdotal on my side, but it seems reasonable that they mm -hmm. would be trying to calm down mm -hmm. their, their uh, nervous systems. Yeah. And this is why we say things like, well, go for a walk, <laughs> you know, like right? go for a walk and calm down. It quite literally 
that bilateral is very, very soothing to your nervous system. Fascinating. Okay, so singing and dancing, what was the third one? Celebrating. Celebrating. So let's talk rhythm with celebrating. Celebrating is when we sing and dance in unison with other people, when our mm. rhythms are in sync. Right. Right. Not, you it, not in about... sync. My wife would be thrilled <laughs> if we're talking about in sync. She, she... I was more of a Backstreet Boy fan, and I'm not kidding. You know, so. Maybe we're dating ourselves here a little bit. But... but but it's when we become attuned to another person's rhythm. Yeah. Right? This is whether it's, and that doesn't mean that we are literally dancing with them, but it's that empathy piece. It's mm -hmm. that tribal piece. It's that connection piece, right? Like there is something where we recognize the emotion, the rhythm, and the narrative in somebody else. And that celeb celebration piece, you know, yeah. it's not just parties and holidays, it's any way that we connect with other human beings. There has to be this connection. That that's And what me, is connection? Yeah. It's your yeah. nervous systems talking to each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's your nervous system feeding off of each other. That's what, that's and celebration. It, and it's interesting because I felt like in the business world, um, more and more transactions are becoming mm, obscured, right? Like it, it, there's there's becoming more and more layers between people when, when we're transacting in business, right? And there's even layers of an anonymity entirely in transactions mm -hmm. in business. And I think there's actually kind of a price to be paid. Now, with that being said, there's risks to transacting in person, right? There's risks to connecting with people in, in, in person. But um, when you say that there's risks, like what, like I, emotional it, risk, yeah, I think, like I think we all feel that, right? Like when you put yourself out there a little bit, whether it's in a business sense, whether it's in a romantic sense, whether it's whatever, mm. where you're reaching out and connecting with somebody, yeah. you're a little bit more vulnerable, yeah. right? You're a little bit more concerned. Yeah. But I think us by us removing some of that discomfort and putting things more in an anonymous state, we're paying a bit more of a price in our nervous systems mm -hmm. than we recognize because we are yeah. such social beings. Yeah. Now we want to talk, well, I, I want, you tell me if you want to talk about this, but I want to talk a little bit more about EMDR. I, when I, when we first were talking, when we first started this whole experience, you probably remember this, but um, there was this narrative that was often repeated by me, which was, I, you know, I had a difficult childhood or I did, I, you know, I had some stuff going on in adolescence, but overall, I'm really grateful for the experience, mm -hmm. right? And overall, like other people have had it far worse than I've had it. And what I was taking to mean was my trauma does not rise to the level of needing help in this way. Yeah, which is, um, I think it was Brene Brown. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure she calls it comparative suffering. Oh, I'll we have to look that up. We decide whether or not we have a right to suffer depending on, you know, because we compare it to other people. Yeah. You know? And, I don't... and you hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, but it's not like you were in the Holocaust. It's not <laughs> right. like, because our society has defined for us what trauma is. Dr. Matei defines trauma. I love, love his, his work. Love this definition. He said, trauma is not what happens to you. It what It is what happens inside of you because of what happens to you. That's awesome. You and your system get to decide what's traumatic. Well, but the fascinating thing is, I, and this, this interplay is so critical in this process, was that my body had experienced trauma. My mind had experienced trauma in the past. 
but because of my dissociation from it, and I don't want to get too Freudian, right? Like there was this whole thing with Freud where it was like, let's dig up stuff that doesn't really exist necessarily. But I think it was, it was like lowering the bar a little bit for me to say, okay, this, this was a traumatic experience. My body did not have the opportunity to complete a, you know, a a complete vagal cycle. Right. And so that got locked into me. That was a big step for me. Is that something that you see among your clientele mm-hmm. often? Where yeah. It's like, well, I've had trauma, but it's not as bad as everyone else's. Right, right. Well, and it's, um, yeah, it's that comparative suffering, right, is is we, it's been defined for us and we've seen others or heard of others who have suffered so much more so. That and after a while, one thing that I remember you continually saying is, yeah, but that's all I knew. This is what right. I've known. Right. It, and so, it's so yeah. normal to us that it's just like, yeah, but I'm alive and I'm well and I can hold down a job now. So obviously it wasn't that bad, you know? Right. So what would you rather what, than looking at those experiences from a perspective of the age of, of you know, a, a toddler the, or, however you old, or however old you were when it happened, maybe that is not traumatic to an adult. Although, and I won't share too much of your story, but what happened to you would be traumatic as an adult too, right? Sure. But to that two-year-old, to that five-year-old, to that 10-year-old, to that 16-year-old who didn't have the wisdom that the adult version of you has, that was traumatic Mm -hmm. to them. And if there was was. no one to connect to or nothing to connect to to feel safe, it really didn't matter. If there was a fight-or-flight response, basically, and there was no connective way to get out of it, like your odds of PTSD are like 70, 80% from that mm-hmm. experience, right? Mm-hmm. If your heart rate doesn't regulate within, what is it, that 15 or 20 minute time frame. Right, right. You have to have what, what is that called? The the consumatory action. And you have all the language the for this. I got, I'm like action. writing down notes, consumatory action. What yeah, was the Brene Brown? Yeah, you bust stuff about the mitochondria. And I'm like, what? What, what was that? <laughs> That's all I'm I have to go back to biology. Just me and the mitochondria. Yeah. Now, anyway. if, if someone's sitting here listening... And they're thinking to themselves, you know, okay, I'm having some health problems, right? I'm not sure if this, you know, if this is related to some trauma in the past, right? Mm -hmm. But because they're using the power of what if, and they're being awesome and using the power of what if, they're saying, okay, what if, what if there's some trauma in the past? What if all this kind of stuff, what would you want them to know about EMDR? What would you want them to know about Kind of how so, we view our trauma at the outset of this process. Yeah. So some key points to remember with EMDR is number one, it's an exploratory process. You know, sometimes there are, I have had clients who've had some really strong somatic and emotional responses. And I've had others who... So somatic again, physical, right? Physical. They're shaking or they're, they're crying they're or shaking, they're throwing up. Crying. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I've done that one. Yes. I've literally had somebody throw up. Yeah, That's. that was me. <laughs> um, and other times it seems to be like this very calm, just kind of, ah, uh, aha. There's like these little ahas. It's, it's just, again, you get that right and left... Hemisphere to start working together, and it, it creates, really is a light bulb, right? Like yeah, the power yeah, Ooh. it can just kind of create some insight into situations or previous experiences that you're like, it's just a different way of looking at things or thinking of things. So, um, yeah, it it doesn't have to be this major, profound, you know, um, experience. And if you know, to 
again, it's like, what if, what, what, what if? if, it's explore it, give it a chance, like see, see what comes up. And that was Maybe totally my will, experience. And that's okay. That you was know? totally my experience where it was like, the more I appealed to my intellectual manager, which is what we just kind of did, right? Like, here's why I should do these things. Here's why I should try these things. It didn't make nearly as much of a difference as just trying yeah. a somatic experience of breath or cold. And then once that started to click and I started to do those things, then the trauma started to become clearer, right? I started mm-hmm. to recognize what was going on in my body, mm-hmm. what had been stuck in my body. And then it started to like, you just start releasing. Right. And with, um, you know, with, with EMDR, just the breath work and the, the cold exposure that you had talked about, there's a whole preparation period where you do meditations and you learn how to self-regulate and you do a lot of mindfulness practice because you have to become, it's just to increase the awareness of your body and how to regulate emotions, how to regulate that vagal nerve, right? Because you don't throw somebody into trauma treatment with no way to regulate themselves. That's, it could that's be just a, irresponsible. Yeah, you could be adding on to the trauma. <laughs> right, right. If they can't connect through it, right. they're going to just deepen it. Or if their go-to is to dissociate, they're just going to dissociate during the whole thing anyway. Yeah. So. Speaking of dissociating, mm-hmm. I think I'm dissociating from my feet. And I don't hey, know if are that's... they warm yet? Well, see, you talk about that. I, I, I'm not sure if they're warm or I just don't feel them anymore. All right. How, how about you? Okay. Are yours warm? Yeah. I mean, I can still feel that it's cold. But it is different. It's certainly different. Pay close attention. This is something that happens to my body. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if it happens to yours. Yeah. Is, and you've talked before how the cold constricts, or they're not the cold. Yeah. The cold constricts your vessels so that it pumps all the blood up into your core. Because right. it thinks it's going to freeze to death. Did you know you have enough capillaries, arteries, veins if you put them end to end, they'd go around the planet three times. I did because I listened to your other podcast. Did you hear just that? Today. I did. That blew my mind. I, I did. Right? Okay, so they constrict so and they keep constrict, the blood flow. They put the which means that all this cold blood is coming up into your torso, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to just stop and pay close attention and see if you can feel cold blood in your torso. Can you feel a slight chill in your torso? Maybe. That's a fascinating thought. Man, you're, you're like so in tune with your body. That was that. I, I'm like, I, 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 I know, I'm feeling that, that I'm is hungry. one thing that I, <laughs> that I noticed. Again, everybody's going to notice something different, right? Yeah. But one thing that I noticed is that you like my torso starts to get cold. I do feel it on the inside. There's like of an my exchange because then my body starts trying to like shove all that warm blood down into my feet to save my feet. Awesome. So it starts exchanging that hot and warm, warm blood. Fantastic. Well, I think... Back to, okay, back to EMDR. You're like, we're out of time. Well, no, no, no. I you know, I'm just watching the frostbite meter here. Oh, are we? What are we at? I I think we're probably like 25 minutes. Oh, are we? Okay. We can take it out. Yeah. Maybe that's... We're not going to... Look at that. That's the other fun part is like the shade of your skin. Like the purples and the reds and the pinks, it's fascinating yeah. what yeah. colors your skin turns when it gets cold. Okay. And I love the sensations after after Totally. That's when your crazy. feet start sweating. Yeah. Your feet get super hot after they don't I haven't noticed the heat, but I, they it feels if well, maybe I could describe it as heat. Tingling sensation mm-hmm. and like uh 
Yeah. If anybody is doing this along with us, though, I do want to mention, I didn't start out, I'm sure no, you didn't say, either, with yeah. 20 minutes. No. No, I no. literally started with 30 seconds. Well, it's because it's an adaptive process. Yeah. You have to work up your body's machinery yeah. to being able to tolerate those lengths. And another thing to mention, this is way more, I have found, for me, it is way more tolerable if I have somebody sitting here right? with me. Because we're connecting and yeah, talking, right? Yeah, it kind of confuses totally your system because there's a part of you that thinks I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And then there's another part that's like, nope, I'm totally we're safe. Good. Just we're hanging fine. out here with Chase. Yeah, we're okay. Chilling with Chase. We're fine. We're totally fine. It's a little confusing, especially when, like, yeah, your body thinks it's going to die, but the person across from you has a very calm look on their face. It's like. That wouldn't be me. I don't know if she's talking about me. I'm like, <laughs> it's cold. This is really But, cold. yeah, start, start with even 10, 10 seconds, 30 and seconds. And consult with your physician as well, you know, if there's a heart condition or other things. Like this, this is taxing on your body. Mm -hmm. So make sure Ab that you're careful. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a few other points to mention with EMDR, because we talked about the preparation period. I do. I, I introduce cold therapy as a preparation way to self-regulate for EMDR. And I encourage clients to be practicing self-regulation, whatever that looks like for you, running every day, doing cold exposure, doing breath work, doing meditation, um, you know, going for a walk, like yoga, whatever. Um so there's a preparation period, but EMDR is a three-pronged approach. It's, it's most popular for reprocessing trauma from the past, but it can also be used to desensitize and reduce distress with current triggers and current stressors. And it can also be used to, they call it installing a future template, mm. which means that Instead of a memory, I actually use my imagination to create a future experience. Awesome. I mean, it's kind of, it's similar to the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy that way, right? Where mm -hmm. there's a, you recognize that there's a missed way of thinking and you're trying to, trying to make a new way to think about that thing, but you're involving your body in a way that uh, cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't necessarily yeah. connect yeah. to. It's, it's, it's a, I, I kind of think it's a quicker way to build some new neuro pathways mm -hmm. instead of just that's what the bilateral stimulation seems to do. Because mm -hmm. we know where we don't want to be. We know the pattern of thought that we don't want to get stuck in, that we have been stuck in. A conditioned response. Right. That's a pattern. Yeah. yeah but yeah. if you don't want that, then where? Then what do you want? And I think we miss that piece. Well, right? that's a good, good point. Because this in this journey of mine, I always thought that healing would be an absence of something, right? Mm -hmm. Like an absence of hurting, an absence of illness, an absence of rashes or whatever it was. That was healing, right? But I've come to learn that healing is additive. You create health, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just like you're describing. Yeah. You don't, it's just, <laughs> the phrase I use is to not to. Well, I just don't, I, do, I want to, to not to. I just, right? Okay. But we well, have then what to do replace you want to do instead? Yeah. There needs to be And a that's pathway. these future installations, you know, and I talked to you slow the rhythm, but you, instead of recalling a traumatic memory, you actually imagine a different scenario. You know, I'm going to imagine myself having this conversation with my spouse where I don't get angry, I don't get defensive, I don't get, right? And so what would that look like? How does that feel? How does that, and it's almost like you create, and it, again, it's imagination, right? But it's just introducing your brain 
to a new way of approaching a problem. Awesome. And so you're just building, even if it's it's not reality, right? But well, even, it's not but reality you're still to your making mind. those connections. Our bodies can't tell the difference right. often between, you see a scary movie, your body responds as if it's right. in danger. Right, right. You see a love, you see some Hallmark special, right? And it's like, oh, the tears Don't, and the warmth. See, I have, a traumatic, then... <laughs> I have a traumatic response when you say Hallmark special. I My am so burned out. My aren't always bad. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We don't have to always don't have tell trauma. My wife that. We have good responses too, right? But it's um, anyway. So yeah, you you install future. You also install things like and strengthen feelings of zen and calm and safety and you know it's so you can do an e, EMDR session. You can do EMDR therapy and not process trauma. I have some. Clients who, you know, use it just for de-stressing, desen- the desensitization piece, not the reprocessing piece, and to kind of, um, you know, build confidence. How can I approach my, I have this presentation I have to do at work tomorrow, and I'm really nervous about it. And so we go through this scenario, we power pose, we pull up some confidence, and then we imagine ourselves walking through that scenario you with confidence, with with power, with right, and you can use it for that too. It doesn't always have to be childhood, horrible childhood stuff. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, April, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, being willing to chill with Chase, chilling with April. This was this was cold. My feet are warming up just a little bit. And for those of you at home, if uh, if you enjoy this podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate it. That helps other people to find it who are looking for some answers. And use the power of what if this week. What if What if EMDR could be helpful to you? What if there's some stuff that either you need to reprocess from the past, right? Or what if, you know, we want to kind of rebuild some pathways and build new pathways for what we want the future to bring? And two recommendations I would have for anybody interested in EMDR is number one, there is get learn more about it there's a website emdria for international association emdria.org they've got wonderful information on there if you go to the section that says what is emdr therapy they have short little videos you can watch on it you can actually see the process and if you're interested please 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 find a therapist who is certified not just trained but certified or working towards their certification in EMDR. Um, certification is a whole nother level of training. You, you have clinicians that you consult with regularly. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's like the training and then some. So please look for somebody who's certified. Great. And you can find a certified therapist on that website too. Awesome. So Thanks so much. Until next time, listen to your brain a little bit less and listen to your body a little bit more. We'll see you guys next time.